Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit healthlock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Kathleen Turner made her film debut 30 years ago in the blockbuster thriller Body Heat. Since then, she's taken on the female roles actresses dream about playing. A word often used to describe her work? Brazen. On screen, we've seen her in Peggy Sue Got Married, Preetzi's Honor, The Accidental Tourist. On stage, she's earned Tony nominations for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Yet her career has not been without disappointment. Her most recent Broadway play, High, closed last year after just eight performances. Now she's taken it on tour. She's performing in San Francisco later this month. I had lunch with Kathleen at Telepan Restaurant on Manhattan's Upper West Side. The restaurant was between shifts, getting ready for dinner service, vacuums blaring around us, dishes being stacked as we talked. Kathleen Turner's mind is always at work. Give her half an hour, and she'll solve the country's problems. So I've got an idea if you want to hear it. Amen. I think we should have a day when all women don't go to work. If a handful of people in this country are going to decide whether or not we will receive health care, whether or not we have control over our bodies as to when we wish to have a child, Mm -hmm. then what would happen if 52% of the workforce one day just withdrew and reminded those people in Washington of how important we are? Do you think that for you, because I know this is true for me, that at some point, maybe not throughout your career, but at some point, there was a struggle to stay interested? Uh, No, I I think I was brought up this way. My father was a foreign service officer. We were always, in a sense, politically aware, you know, growing up. And I, I swear to gosh, when I was about 10 years old, my father, we were at some event, you know, like the 4th of July in Caracas, Venezuela or something, you know. And my father said, Please remember that, you know, your behavior reflects on your country. 
And I can remember thinking vividly, oh, my God, whatever I do is going to be what people think of the U.S., which is a heavy burden for a 10-year-old, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. That might have been unfair of him. It might have been a little rough. He honestly believed it, and that sense of of being part of something and being responsible for something, I think, was instilled in me. So citizenship. Really, very much so. In some regard, in a very basic sense of that. But at the same time, have you found it's been hard for you to stay interested in this business throughout You mean in the business of acting? Yes. No. No, I certainly don't, I think, make as much of a priority of it as many other people I know in the industry. Yes. But if I couldn't act, I'd just curl up, shrivel up, and die. Yeah, no, I can't live without it. Yeah. Has your attitude toward it changed? It's gotten more passionate. Well, I branch out now. Now, because I've been doing this for over 30 years now, and now I can teach as well. Now I can direct as well. But the, re- but the reason I say this is because, and I could be wrong, and this is my opinion, this is my mm-hmm. opinion. The business, especially movies and television, the business lets go of you or you let go of it. That is interesting. And I wondered if at some point in your career where you made films, especially there's a decade where you make all these oh, films. Yeah, top bugs over in the world, right? And, and all this stuff is going, and, but you strike me as somewhere where you let go of it. I, I, I suppose so, but... Did you lose interest? It was No, I never wanted to live in Los Angeles. I had a daughter. I was never going to bring up a girl out in L.A. Your daughter was born where? Here in New York City. And you only raised her here? She has only lived here. So from that period... The last movie you played, like a leading lady in, that was your film, would was be a serial mom, I guess. Serial mom. Right. Uh-huh. And that's when I got rheumatoid arthritis. See, so things sort of came around at the same time. A combination of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. How they, old was she then? She was, when I got RA, she was in kindergarten. So, so just all of a sudden, you just didn't want to go out there anymore. I couldn't fake it. I couldn't fake looking and acting well. You know, there was on... Oh. I was, uh, it was very, very hard to, to move at all. We didn't really know what was going on for a long time, you know, so I had all the fantasies of some kind of dread disease that no one had been able to diagnose that was killing me. And then when they did diagnose it as RA, then they start pumping me full of steroids, and, mm. and you know what that does to oh, you, yeah? Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, and so at that, for about a year and a half, my entire, well, I'd say longer, I'd say at least two years, my entire focus was on being able to restore myself to some normalcy of life. We lived in a brownstone, but I couldn't get up and down stairs. So we had to sell that and move into a one-level apartment, you know. But change your career yeah. path. But in the same way, I think I had always been ambitious toward and working for growing up into a full-blown theater actor. Exactly. Coming home. How I did got that happen? In between films, I would always go back to the stage. I met too many actors in Hollywood, in L.A., film actors, who were terrified of ever going back sure. to the stage. They were afraid perhaps they had lost an edge or something. Secondly, they were terrified that they'd be attacked because they had been film successes. Uh-huh. Do you know, that the critics... It would be unfair. Or somebody would be after them, you yeah, know, just sure. because they had the name. They had a bullseye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which I didn't, you know, when I did Cat on Tin Roof, which is my big Broadway comeback in 1990. I remember I auditioned for it and I didn't get the part. I'm sorry. No, it's honey. okay. Do you want a break? No, 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 no. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Who was it? Danny Hugh Kelly? Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, uh, great. How did you oh, you know, he was that? great. He was fantastic, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, so continue. Yes, please. Yeah, well, okay, honey. Well, you didn't do so bad, you know, in streetcar. Well, I sputtered along. Williams is a good one to fall back on. Not a bad one, yeah. Yeah. So I did Cat on Hot Tin Roof. Honestly, Michael Douglas was calling me up. Jack Nicholson was calling me up. Warren Beatty was calling me up and saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You know, they'll just kill you. Yeah. And I said, you know, you don't understand. I'm better on stage. And I think I am. But I also found that making films for me, I had an agent who once said to me, if you never did another movie again, what would you be missing? And at that point, I was looking at the movies that I could do. The ones I was doing were things where if we all went to work and everybody did their job perfectly, if everybody was perfect... Would we change the world? No, the best we could hope for was <laughs> mediocrity, even if we were perfect. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a killer. It's a killer. You go in that's and the script is like, the script's okay. And we think we're gonna be able to maybe <sighs> somehow, we're gonna be able to make it better. My problem with film more now is that I find it's boring work. I mean, not I'm not talking about the material. I'm talking about the process. The day. Acting for 20 minutes, oh. walking away for an hour oh, while yeah. they reset yeah. everything, coming back, acting the same material just from a different angle again, maybe shooting two, three pages a day, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so boring. Right. It's so boring. As Did you ever want to do a going, TV show? Your own no. TV show? No. Why? Never. Tell me. Never. Why? Oh, look how emphatic you are about that. Oh, I'm terribly emphatic about that. I just hated the commitment. I hated the idea of being that tied down. I thought Mm -hmm. if I had to do the same character year after year, I would definitely slip my throat. Well, yeah. Do you see this this, this mark on my throat here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I had it sewed up. (laughs) But I've been doing a TV show, and the thing I like about it, the the thing I thought I'd hate about it, you know what I like is I like being home in New York. Biggie. I'm home, we shoot the show here, people think we're funny, and as soon as they wrap me in the end of the day, I wipe my cat makeup off my face, and I'm in a restaurant with my friends in Manhattan at 8 o'clock every night. Yeah. I have a life. That's fabulous. I have a yeah. great life from the shooting, but you never do a series. No. Really? No. No. Talk I about high. Oh, what a heartbreaker. Has I, this ever happened to you? This is the first time it's happened to me. And it was working. I thought so. I really did. And... You know, the, and the audience response, which I was never entirely sure if the play was as strong uh, as it needed to be. However, you reach a point in the amount of work that you do and your willingness to commit, you cannot have any doubts anymore. You simply say, I absolutely believe in this. That's how you must behave. Although in the back of my mind there retain some doubts as to the the play itself, I had no doubts as to the performances or the audience response or the heart of the material about addiction versus faith, you know, which is to me a fascinating kind of concept. What did the play say about that? That it's a constant battle, that there is no winner, that addiction has no cure, and that faith can be part of, of making life livable again and breaking the bonds of addiction. But there is no cure for either, mm. uh, which perhaps was not as uplifting as right. some people might have hoped. Yeah. This is a Broadway house you're in? Not yeah. off-Broadway. Off no, this is Broadway. But, Big oh, difference. stars and goddess, it never, ever occurred to me that we'd only be open a week. I mean, the first thing I did, of course, was just 
getting sick as a dog, you know. Mm. Don't you do this to your body? Sure. When, when you finish a long run or a long commitment or a season of something. You get sick because you uh, can. Oh, and you get, you get so sick. Yeah. I remember yeah. I would be sick. I was doing a play and I had the flu. You get to the Saturday matinee and you know you have to do the Saturday night show. So now you're rolling into your seventh show. You did two mm -hmm. on a Saturday. And I'd lay on my bed in my dressing room and I'd say a prayer. I'd say, please, God, I hope people come and rob the box office of the theater. <laughs> and while they're here, they come up here and shoot me in my bed and kill me. Because I can't go uh, down there and do this goddamn show again. Oh, I'm so, so much pain. Is your daughter interested in the business? She is a singer-songwriter. Is she really? With an amazing voice and an amazing ability. I'm, her songs are just... I'm, I'm stunned. And she's this... Charming, compassionate, interesting woman. Uh, I'm like. I like my daughter too. She's funny. Wow, but but well, you know, there are a few years in there yeah. in the teenage years when you really wonder how the heck she's going to turn out. I mean, you really, yeah. and you feel that it's outside your control. You did what you could and all that stuff, and she just turned out so good. Now, there's some, my daughter's 15. Yeah, and there's oh, some days it. you don't yeah, know yet. Yeah, there's some days I want to send her to Afghanistan. But, but not without really. a doubt, there were many days when I had that feeling. When you look at your career then, because this is something I do, which I don't do. I don't think back. I don't uh -huh. look back. I don't care. You know. No, there is no <clears throat> museum of Turner in my house or anywhere else. <laughs> no shrines to mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, when you think of like when I look back at myself when I was beginning in this business, I'm like that poor schmuck because I didn't remember. That if I only focused on my work... <laughs> I have to tell you something terrible. Yeah, tell me. I agree with you. You were often a schmuck. Really? How? Yes. You were just very full of yourself a lot of the time. Really? I believe so. You think so? My God. Yes, I do. I didn't think I, I was. I apologize for saying so. No, not so. at all. Not at all. Yes. No, I, did. I didn't think you were a bit of a schmuck. But there you go. I probably was, too. Well, I but was going to yes. say, yeah, yeah. Uh, if oh, we no, can no, call no, a spade no. a spade here. Yes, <clears throat> indeed. People don't I, call you La Turner for nothing. No, no, no. But anyone who has worked with me, see, the only people who would say that are people who have never really worked with me. But when you look back, when you do look back and think about what you were like then, making films, 1981 to 1991. No, but we can have more of that too in a moment. More of that in a moment. But, but, but from 1981 to 1991, when we make all these films, these great, great films, when you look back at her, what do you think of her? What was she like to you? What were you like when you were first starting out? Make you did but naive. I think I think I was very naive. Film kind of happened to me. Right. You know, I came to New York to be a Broadway star. I was always. I grew up. In London, great theater shows and stuff. I never had any contact with film or with TV making. When I first moved to New York, I got a soap opera. I was on the same soap opera. Yeah, you were. The you doctors. left as I. You were going as we I was coming. We just missed each other. That's right. I passed you in the hallway. And then came body heat. Body heat. Yeah. That I always thought kind of happened. I remember to you had me. shot body heat, and you came back to say hello to some of those people. Of course. You and came to New York and had a drink with some of them, and I got to see you say hello, goodbye to you fleetingly, and you had just shot by well, yeah, they, and they yeah. all looked at you like you were, you know, no, secretariat. No. no, not just that. People would I, you say, you know, well, where have you been? You, I haven't seen you for six months. I've been shooting a film, uh, you know, a movie in, in Los Angeles, and they go, oh, what's it called? Body Heat. And they went, oh, honey. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Okay, okay uh, I confess, <clears throat> I went out to be a porn star, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you made those movies in that, in that period, oh, and you think she was naive, why? Was there something you wish you did differently? No. No. No, I turned down a lot of things, you know, mm -hmm. turned down your basic body heat, two, three, four, yeah. five, you yeah. know. After romancing, a lot of adventure. It seems as though every time you have a success in one sort of genre, then you're just supposed to do that same thing. You get five thing. more shots at that. Yeah, but you already did that. Yeah, they only make five of those in a row. Because it proved successful. That's not interesting to me. I proved it was successful, thank you very much. But just in a voyeuristic way for mm. me, give me an example. What was it like working with John Houston? Oh, very interesting. Tell me, because I idolize Houston. I mean, you got to work with John. One of the great this was directors. his the one before his his last. Pretty's Honor was his last major film. You know, he had terrible, terrible emphysema and couldn't move without an oxygen tank. You know, you would see him count the steps he would have to take to wow. get from one place to another. Wow. You know, sort of counting the breaths that he would need. Didn't stop his thinking any, but he would, I think, probably gave us more, gave Jack and me more, more liberties mm -hmm. than he would than have. Than he ordinarily would have? I think so, because he would Had say... Had someone pointed that out to you? Did someone who knew his method say that to you? His daughter, yeah, Angelica. Angelica said, yeah. it's a different Houston on this film. Yeah. He would say, all right, you know, you show me something, and then we'll... Do it. So I'd look at Jack Nicholson and go, well, Okay, how about we start the scene where, like, I'm face down over the arm of the sofa, and you're just pulling away as the camera comes, you know, and, he, and Jack goes, oh, yeah, that's great, and then we, ah. So, you know, my idea was the who's on top in the bed scene, you know, when we ultimately rolled off the edge of the bed, you know, with Jack going, my back, my back, <laughs> the whole time. Anyway, so he would give us... More freedom, I think, than than ever. Because restrictions. Yeah, and then he come in and say yes or no, or you know, right direction or whatever. But there was one day in particular when it was a scene where the day where the character really had to break down in fear of her life because she'd been caught out, you know, essentially. And we're shooting in this terrible claustrophobic little house, which made every angle and lighting issue impossible and he would have the camera and everything set up I'd waited four hours I'd come in we'd do one run through and he'd say no I don't like it this way go away again and he'd take another four hours hour after hour after hour so you're ready to scream and cry and kick with frustration and I overheard him say to one of the first ADs you think she's ready now and I thought you son of a Yes, I was ready. That was the only time he really did that to me. Who's a director that you think helped you? Who's a director you really admired? Coppola. 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 Tremendously. And Peggy Sue. Yeah, and tremendously. He, he had such an extraordinary grasp of the possibilities of the images in... Of that woman uh, going back uh, in time. Well, of what the camera could do and what it could see. And I learned so much from him. Bizarrely... Some of my best work, I think, was for Ken Russell, you know, who's certifiable. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, but then he's he's certifiably a genius too. So How many movies did you make with Ken? Only one. Crimes of Passion. That's it. Yeah. Oh. Then what that, about him? Did you like? He had a way of, for example, in Crimes of Passion, there's a scene. And she's this $50 hooker on Hollywood Avenue at night. The scene takes place in this hotel room, and the walls are papered with this shiny, hideous pink and purple shiny wallpaper. And he had a flashing neon light set off to the side that was like the motel sign on the street, yeah? That was the only light. Our acting had to take place within the timing and the pulsing of that neon lamp, which he regulated, you know, and the reflections that came off the wallpaper. It's genius. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more it's all technical to me now, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean agreed. You, you either have the inspiration or you don't. I don't need anybody to inspire me to play the part, no. typically. No. But, but in the theater, where you've done all this complex material, who were the theater directors who were the most uh, memorable to you? Who's someone who you just had loved working with them in the theater? Cat on Tin Roof. Oh, whose name, of course, just left my head. British director. Absolutely brilliant. Howard we'll Davies. that up. Yes. And then also with um, Virginia Woolf, which was some of the most... And who directed that? Anthony Page. Yeah. Some of the most gentle, misdirecting directing I've ever had. I mean, you didn't really realize until much further into the process how much he was actually giving you. Do you know? Now, there were, no, but when you did that part... I, I really got to the end of Martha, finally. You did? Yeah, but it took that whole time. Was it tough to do that? No, it was glorious. Sure. It was glorious to feel so used up. It was so satisfying. You understand? Yeah. yeah. There's a thing that that's happens, and, then, and you don't have to share this opinion, I understand, but like Elizabeth Taylor, uh, like Bacall, like Stalker Channing, you're asked to play women who have a lot of authority. Yes. You're asked to play women who straighten people out a lot in the show, or who have to. Don't depend on have, others. Right, yes. very independent women. And, 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 and there's a kind of a forcefulness to that. Do you find that you'd rather play the other side of it? You can't play the weak woman. You can't I'm no play. good at victims. You're not. I think that's a real limitation, yeah. Something in me would just kick and scream and come out. I just know that if I actually said, okay, 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 I'm going to do this poor, helpless little woman who doesn't fight for anything, I would betray it somewhere down the line. I know I would. What do you want to do next? What's the part you haven't done in the theater? I just got a whole slew, which is always nice, having just lost my job. Well, you know. They lost you, honey. Yes, thank you. A couple of interesting ideas have come up. One is a play called The Killing of Sister George. Uh-huh. Do you remember this? I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, about a British radio drama. I'm not sure how I feel about it, which is very intriguing to me. There's a great deal of humor in it and everything. At the same time, the woman is absolutely wretched, awful, abusive. You know, qualities that I truly despise. The other side, I just adore her. So I gotta have, you know, we're gonna sit down and have a reading on that one. Is there, so. is there other Albie you wanna do? Well, he's writing a new one. Is he? Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. What was that experience like working with him? Because he's very hands on, he's very present. He's very, very present. At the time, though, his partner of 35 years was dying. Huh. 
In fact, it was a race between whether we'd open on Broadway first or his partner would, would breathe his last. So Albie probably gave us less attention than he has in many, many, many years, which I rather liked, because he can be difficult. Yeah. Well, just, he's very, very controlling about he the is. interpretation of his material. He that. is, and he's not as good a director as he thinks he is. Uh-huh. Do you go to the theater much? Are you much of yeah. a movie-goer and a theater-goer? I go to theater more than films. I always have. You know, when your show is canceled, you say, and the idiots put money in that! Right. You know, which just makes you angry, because, of course, there's no rhyme or reason What did you see really. that you liked? What? I liked good people. I was interested by the play. It's intricate, interesting writing, and I think that Francis... McDormand. Oh, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. Lovely work. Then, of course, there was the Book of Mormon. How was that? Uh, honey, I don't usually laugh out loud in really? public. <laughs> and I was simply yeah, howling. And at the end of the show, this guy in the aisle behind me had his phone out, and he said, I'm tweeting that Kathleen Turner peed in her pants. I said, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead, hon. Um... How, I'll be very honest with you about something. Oh. I've been in tremendous physical pain myself for the last couple of years. I didn't know that. Very bad back from doing a play yeah. on a raked stage when we did Streetcar 92. That's hard. That's hard. I never had one back problem in my life. And I was fairly young, that I was 34. Yeah. I did that play in 1992. I was 34. Uh, my back has never been the same. Now, I can't take anything. Because I can't work in no. yes, my yes. business. Okay. In this business, I can't be high. I no, work. I can't. No, no, no. So no I gotta no, go to work in like no, a lot of pain. No, I used to make that mistake. I made a bad, you know, in terms of when the RA was at some of its very, very worst. I was doing a show on Broadway and I was doing indiscretions with a raked stage, by the way. Yeah. Which really can kill you. Any case, as soon as that curtain came down Sunday night until Monday night, I drank. Because I'll tell you, alcohol kills pain. But you have to stop by Monday night because you have to be back on stage Tuesday. So I would get through the week thinking, you know, four more nights, three more nights, two more nights until I can start. I couldn't take pills. You can't take pain no. pills. You can't think. I do in the TV show, I can't take pills because we talk so fast. You're not clear. You're not timed. You know, you lose not, everything. Yeah, it's no good. I found extraordinary people to help me in terms of physical therapy, swimming, Massage. You quit smoking? On and off. I bet I've quit smoking. I don't know how many times. times. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm quit at the moment. Okay, yeah, we'll okay. put it that it's way. Okay. Let's take that again. So you quit smoking? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic yes. for you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Alec. Yeah. And acupuncture and and every single day. The thing that has helped the single most thing the best is Pilates. Yeah, I, that's what I take. That's what Pilates I take. Yeah. is the best. Has it ever um, affected your work? Have you ever had to work through a show where you were in agony? Oh, God. In Indiscretions, there was a three-story metal staircase that the characters had to go up and wait on a catwalk up there. I kept tissues and a mirror and lipstick and powder up there. And by the time I got to the top of it and I got get sit down on the couch, I would be sobbing. I'm better on it. And then I would hear a line from Roger Reese, and I would wipe my face, put the lipstick back on, repowder my nose, and go back down. And that's what got me through it. Every single night was just letting myself sob by the time I got up. I've had nine operations. 
on my knees and my feet and and stuff and a hand and things. But I have never had that back problem. I've always been lucky. Do you still have the house over the island? And I just sold it this you fall. You did? Yeah. Sold it in November. The kids grow up. They don't want to spend the summer out there so anymore. So that's why you kept it. And then my husband and I divorced five years ago. How do you like being single? Love it. <laughs> love it. 22 <laughs> years. 22 years. And now, you know what I love? I love to get home. Be in front of the door of my apartment and know that no one else is inside. It's such a relief. I don't have to take care of anybody. I think maybe it's more of a, a woman thing. I don't know. But first thing I'm going to do tomorrow is go get my hair all cut off. What are you doing? Well, I don't know. I don't care. Oh. So tomorrow I'm going to go in and say, do something creative for me. Sure. What do you do when you want to, like, you say, that chapter's over. Do you get a haircut? I do. Well, no, I'm not, it's, not like, it's not the same as for women. You have some dramatic alteration in your physical appearance. I, um, uh, God, I wonder, that's a very good question. What do I do when I want to signify a big change in my life? I probably, um, I hate change. Oh, really? Oh, I hate change. I'm I very, think all change is good. Well, I'll uh, tell ultimately, you something. Ultimately, I think it's not easy, but it's always good. Maybe for Kathleen Turner. I do hate change. Kathleen's comment reminded me of a quote that has stuck with me. This was Rauschenberg's obituary in the New York Times. I saved this. Painter Robert Rauschenberg died in 2008. In his obituary, he was quoted talking about his first solo show. Everyone was trying to give up European aesthetics, Rauschenberg recalled, meaning Picasso, the Surrealists, and Matisse. That was the struggle, and it was reflected in the fear of collectors and critics. John Cage said that fear in life is the fear of change. And if I may add to that, Rauschenberg said, nothing can avoid changing. It's the only thing you can count on, because life doesn't have any other possibility. Everyone can be measured, I love this, by his adaptation to change. And that's my, the thing I'm really working on now, is I, as I really... I, I, this is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.